May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Today, as most of you know, is the Sunday known as Good Shepherd Sunday. I don't know about you, but I find that shepherds and sheep don't generally loom very large on the horizons of my life. It's a shame. It's not often realised quite how much sheep resent the lack of interest that human beings show in them. Do you remember, for instance, when it was reported a few years ago that scientists had, to declub, had discovered how to clone sheep? They were going to be able to create tens of thousands of identical sheep. Even the sheep's mothers weren't going to be able to tell them apart. They were going to look the same, bleat in the same way, smell the same, talk about the same things, support the same football teams, wear identical clothes, watch the same television programmes, have the same opinion about everything and so on. The story broke on the 10 o'clock news and all over the country, sheep drinking their Ovaltine burst out into wild celebration as they realised that the morning papers were going to be full of the story, perhaps even with interviews and photographs of some famous sheep. At last, humans would have to take sheep seriously. But it was a different story when they actually saw the morning papers. The Times led with the headline, Hitler Superman Fears, revived by Frankenstein scientists. The Guardian had no woolly thinking pledge by ethical dilemma genetic engineers. The Sun's headline was My Day with Posh Becks by Kiss and Tell Weightlifter. Nowhere was there any hint that anyone had considered what the news might mean for sheepdom. And really I suppose that's about how it is with humans and sheep. We don't have a lot of time for them. They don't seem to have minds of their own. They need to be led. They constantly fall prey to parasite worms and maggots. If they haven't got sheep scab or scrapey, if they haven't found some poisonous plant or rolled onto their back, then you can be sure they're wandering off into the path of a fox or a dog or some other predator. As a farmer once told me, a sheep is an animal looking for a reason to die. And yet, this is so unfair to the sheep. The sheep is an animal that we should never underestimate. It was a sheep who discovered the general theory of relativity. I'm sorry, it was not a sheep. It may not have been a sheep that discovered the general theory of relativity. It may not have been a sheep that set foot first on the moon. And yet, there is no other animal in the world which is so completely useful. In addition to its wool for clothing, meat for food, hoof, horn and bone for fertilizer, lanolin for ointment and cosmetics, the sheep gives fresh life to the soil, turns grass into protein by natural feeding quicker and better than any other animal, and under good management provides the farmer with a satisfying livelihood. And that's why in the Old Testament God's people are referred to as the sheep of his pasture. For the nomads and patriarchs of Israel's primitive years, sheep were the most valuable possession. They were walking wealth, something to be cherished, something to be valued, something by which a man's worth was measured. Nothing was more important 
than to protect your sheep properly. No other kind of work gave a better return. Shepherds were consequential and responsible people. Moses and King David were both called away from their flocks to play their part in the destiny of the nation. So it was natural that the people should be described as the people of God's pasture and the flock of his hand. And this care was welcome. Think of Psalm 23, think of the window we have here that illustrates it. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore can I lack nothing. He shall feed me in a green pasture and lead me forth besides the waters of comfort. No more reassuring image could be found for the protective relationship between God and his people. And if his flocks strayed, remember, all we like sheep have gone astray, then all was not lost. And if I stray, he doth convert and bring my mind in frame. And what we celebrate today is Christ's affirmation of his role in the Christian's life as our shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I know my flock and am known by mine. I am the good shepherd, or translated more accurately, perhaps, the good shepherd is me. Christ finds good pasture for his people. He protects his sheep from thieves who come to steal, to kill, to destroy. He defends them from the attack of wolves that harry the flock and scatter the sheep. And after the resurrection, Christ handed this role on to Peter. Peter had denied Christ three times during his passion, and now he was given the opportunity three times to affirm his love. Simon, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And in turn, we read in one of his epistles, St. Peter has handed on his role as shepherd to the elders of the church. Tend that flock of God whose shepherds you are, not tyrannizing over those who are allotted to your care, but setting an example to your flock. Our bishops carry a shepherd's staff to this day to symbolise the charge they've received to tend God's flock in their diocese. The bishop as our chief, as our shepherd, the bishop as our chief pastor. How do we feel about that? We know Olivia, our bishop, and Stephen, bishop of Oxford, and they know us as well as we wish, considering how many of us there are. In the diocese. So how would you feel if they came into your kitchen, made themselves comfort, comfortable and then started shepherding you? Haven't seen you in church much lately, they might say. Don't you think you might be drinking a little more than is good for you? Your daughter's fiancé is a bit dubious, they might say. I'm instructing you to disengage them. Have you checked your investments recently? Sell any shares by next Sunday, please, if the companies don't behave responsibly towards the third world. And your covenant's inadequate. Increase it this week by 8%. How would you feel about that? How much pastoring would you actually let a bishop do? Whew, let's come a little further home. Because... Diocesan bishops delegate their pastoring to the parish priest. How much pastoring will you tolerate from me? I find already that any little tentative suggestions I make, any tiny hints about how perhaps something might have been done better, cause a bit of a drop in the temperature of the room. 
and my visits to people who were members of this church but have dropped off for one reason or another. Well, those visits actually seem to be somehow counterproductive. I'm not going to make too much of this. Perhaps one has to earn the right to be accepted as a pastor. But the question once asked won't go away. Why are we all so reluctant nowadays to be guided? Why do we fight so hard to preserve our own ways of doing things? Why has independence become something to be fought to the death for? Why do many, so many people like to hear Frank Sinatra singing, I did it my way at their funeral, when everybody's there is thinking, wouldn't it have been better if they hadn't? To put it another way, the early Christians were proud to present themselves as Christ's sheep. Why do we reject the metaphor? Is it perhaps because we're no longer sheep-like? Is it that we're now masters of our own destiny, able to resist all forces that might harm us? I wonder. Consider this. Did you know it's been established that something like 40% of all marriages will end in divorce? Did you know that figure is going to get worse? Do you know the number of children who are being brought up without any experience of what we might call normal family life? Did you know that people are saying that nothing can be done about this? It's part of the spirit of the age, an irresistible force that has an impetus and momentum of its own. Did you know that the number of people leaving school without any qualification at all is increasing by 30% a year? Did you know people are saying Nowadays, there's an uneducated underclass developing, which will never be able to find a job or work usefully. Everyone says there's nothing we can do about this. It's part of the spirit of the age, that irresistible force, which has an impetus and momentum of its own. We all know how fast internet access is increasing in people's homes and businesses. Did you know that 85% of domestic internet use is for downloading pornography? Everyone says there's nothing we can do about it. It's part of the spirit of the age. Can you think of anything more dangerous, anything more pernicious, anything more defeatist than accepting that there is such a thing as a spirit of the age? that irresistible force that has an impetus and momentum of its own? Are we going to embrace the idea that society is governed by blind forces over which we can have no control? Are we going to acknowledge that we have no say over the way things are going to go? Are we going to subscribe to the notion that Christianity has no power to influence the spirit of the age? Are we going to acquiesce in a world without hope? A world in which the only hope provided is a hope that is no hope at all. I wonder what your reply would be. I'm not looking for answers now. I'd rather be provoking debate. But what I would say this, if Christians are going to have a say, if Christians are going to have a say, it's no use looking to our bishop or to the archbishop sitting on his throne in Canterbury Cathedral. The people of God in each individual church community. The people of God in each individual church community is the whole body of Christ.
in that place. We in the Sun Villages are not a part of any church. We are the church in this area. If Christians are to have a voice in our villages, if, that, if we're to have a voice in any country or in the world, it's our voices, the voices of us and churches together in this area that will have to make themselves heard. I'm afraid that what the Archbishop of Canterbury or the General Synod says is neither here nor there. We can't shelter behind them, speak they never so wisely. The role of the shepherd in Christ's world was to protect the flock, keep it together, and ensure it was fed. Remember, Palestine is a dry country. Vegetation is sparse and slow going for most of the year. A flock has to move on quickly to pastures new when there's nothing left to feed on. And so it is for us. If we stay too long without being stirred up and moved on, we're no longer being fed. We won't be able to grow, we'll become dissatisfied, we'll lose hope in the future. So if pastoring involves saying, we must move on, we can't stay like this, we have to look for new pasture. If I say, when this crisis is over, the world won't be going on exactly as it was, and neither can we, it's time for St Mary's Solemnstead to move forward, and this is what I propose. Will you follow me?